0: Now listen, I know at the risk of sounding like a broken record, last year, 2020 has really broken a lot. We've mentioned this quite a bunch here at the church, and you guys all know this is not a secret. I I didn't just let the cat out the bag. You guys know this. You know, throughout 2020, throughout the pandemic and such, many have been broken financially. A lot of people laid off from work, some people furloughed, some people lost opportunities, closed businesses right here on Knickerbocker Avenue, restaurants that weren't able to survive the 2020 pandemic. Uh, Definitely, it's uh, broken a lot of relationships because we've had to isolate and social distance. And so, you know, maybe somebody who was a close friend now because we've had to quarantine and be away from each other for so long, we've distanced each other and it's broken relationships. It's hurt us relationally. Maybe it's even stunted your progression at work. You wanted, you were climbing the corporate ladder. You were looking for a promotion. You were looking to do better at work. And now it's stunted that because everything is not the same. Or maybe it's changed your work habits and such. I know this is true for so many people. I just know from conversations that I've had. Perhaps it's stunted your growth spiritually. Because you've felt whatever, the anxiety and the worry of it, or because the way the rhythms have been disrupted, your normal rhythms of, a fo- of what you usually had in place with reading the Bible or going to church or whatever, you had these regular rhythms in place and that was disrupted. So it did a number to you, uh, to your growth spiritually. What about as a church? What has it done to us as a church? Man, it really disrupted momentum. It disrupted a rhythm that was established. God was really at work and bringing new people to the church and and all of a sudden the pandemic hit, we lost our facility to meet in, and we, of course we couldn't even meet anyway, and people moved away, and, 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 and people left town, and, and it really disrupted the momentum, it disrupted the rhythm of it, even as a church on an individual level, and of course on a corporate level as well. And a lot has been broken in the past 12 months. And, uh, and as I read the book of Haggai, it reminds me of another time when there was a severe sense of brokenness, a season of brokenness. You see, it was the temple of Jerusalem, which was representative of the very presence of God among the people. That, the temple, the, the church wasn't simply a place to attend. It was so much more for the people of God. The temple was the very presence of God. It's where the presence of God dwell. It's where they would make sacrifices. It's where they would gather. And the Israelites were held captive by the Babylonians for 70 years. 70 years they were held captive. And during that time, Jerusalem, the city in which the the temple of God was in, the, the, the city was ransacked and the temple was destroyed and left in shambles. After 70 years, finally the exiles can go back home. The Israelites can begin to make a return home to begin to work on the temple. And they're excited at first. When they see, oh man, the temple, the, the very essence of the presence of God where we make sacrifices and where we gather, it's broken. And so they get excited and they begin to lay the foundation. But then guess what happens? They face opposition. And they do what so many of us do. Once we face a little obstacle, they give up. They grow discouraged. And 14 years pass and the temple Is still in shambles. But God raises up a prophet to tell the people, hey, you've misplaced your priorities. You've misplaced your priorities. It's time to rebuild. I wanted to share with you guys the definition of priority. I have it on the screen. The definition of priority is something that you do or deal with first because it is more important or urgent than other things another definition says when someone or something is more important or urgent than other things everybody say more important important. so as we look at the definition of priorities i want to ask you guys a simple question it's super simple very easy you don't have to answer out loud meditate on it think about it right there in your seat have your priorities been misplaced Have your priorities been misplaced? Your priorities are distorted, listen, when they do not lie up with God's priorities. Your priorities are distorted when they do not line up with God's priorities. I remember Jesus, and we're reading the New Testament, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he would be betrayed and led to the cross, He's sweating drops of blood and he's praying, God, if you can remove this cup from me, please do something to do it, but not my will, but your will be done. Was Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not what I want, not my priorities, not what I desire, not my life of comfort, but what you want, God. And this was a a teaching of Jesus throughout the New Testament. When he taught, he said, seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added onto you. And then, when Jesus sat around a table with his 12 disciples, he said, Listen, guys, you're going to forget. You're going to have other priorities. Other things are going to come into your mind. There's going to be other things that are going to block you. So, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew that they and us would forget and have other priorities and put other things in place of Jesus. So he said, do this in remembrance of me, and that's why we serve and partake in communion so that we can recenter and refocus our energy, our attention on the only one that truly matters, Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Even young Jesus, when Mary and Joseph made a voyage to Jerusalem, they head back in their caravan back home and they realize that young, their young Jesus, pre-teenage Jesus, was missing. They run back to Jerusalem to try to find him. They look everywhere. They look at the stores. They look in their relatives' homes. And, and where was he? He was in the house of God, in the temple. And he looked at his mom and dad. He said, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? King James Version says exactly what Milagros just said. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's house? business? In other words, didn't you know that this is my priority? What God desires? I need to be in the house of God. I need to experience the presence of God. I need to draw closer to him through worship and through prayer. I need to be here with God's people. I need to be learning from God's word. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And so God raises up a prophet because the Israelites had forgotten what was a priority. And so God raises up a prophet. The prophets are people that speak on behalf of God to communicate an important message from God to the people. And God raises up the prophet Haggai. And the purpose of Haggai's message and why he raises him up is to rebuke, to repent, and to re engage the mission, is what he calls him to do. Haggai, deliver this message, call my people to. Uh, rebuke them for, for not working on what truly matters, misplacing their priorities, call them to repent, and ultimately to go back to the work that I call them to do, to re-engage the mission. And so it is my prayer and my desire that throughout today's message and this series, that this would be what God calls us to do, Swerve Church, that we may be rebuked and that we may receive humbly a rebuke from the Lord in this prophetic message. And that we may humbly repent of our sin and our misplaced priorities. And that we would re engage the mission that God has called us to. And so, if you're taking notes, number one is this we misplace priorities when we make excuses. We misplace priorities when we make excuses. Are you an expert excuse maker? Let me tell you, my kids are expert at making excuses. They're great at it. Nobody had to teach them. They didn't learn it from a textbook or YouTube video. They're just born with it, they're gifted. They're never wrong. They always have a perfectly legitimate reason why they're doing what they're not supposed to do. But listen, some of us are like that as well, aren't we? We are also experts at making excuses. And so I had a list of questions I wanted to run by you today, if you would permit me. What excuses do you have to these questions? Why haven't you grown in your walk with Christ? What's your excuse? Why hasn't your faith grown in the past 12 months? Hey, why aren't you digging into God's word daily? Why isn't that a rhythm of yours? Why haven't you missionally engaged your community to do the work that God has called you to? Hey, why are you feeling lackadaisical in your faith? I think that you would all agree that the answer to these questions are important, that these are important questions to ask, and the answer to those questions is just as important. And why are they important is because those things should be a priority in our lives. Is your answer full of excuses? Because we're really good at that. Well, you know, man, work has really gotten me tied up. You know, I'm really super busy. I'm just, you know, I'm reconstructing the house. I'm repainting. I'm retiling. I'm, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. I'm doing a lot of work right now. Or, or you know what? My excuse is tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to do tonight. Today, I'm not up to it, but tomorrow, I promise. I'm going to read my Bible. Tomorrow, I'm going to missionally engage my community. Tomorrow, tomorrow, or the super cop-out answer of the year. Do you guys know what it is? My excuses, COVID, the pandemic. That's my reason. That's why I haven't grown in my faith. That's why I'm not drawing closer to God. That's why I'm not missionally engaging my community. That's why I'm not opening my Bible. The super cop-out answer of the year. Israel was really good at making excuses too. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is God talking through the prophet Haggai. The Lord of armies says this. These people say, in other words, this is what the Israelites are saying, the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So what was the excuse for the Israelites? It's Not time yet. They made an excuse as to why the temple had to be rebuilt. And get this, the reason sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? We love talking about God's timing because nobody knows it, right? Oh, it's not, God, it's not the Lord's time, brother, sister. It's not, it's not God's time yet. That's why we haven't rebuilt the temple. Because it's not the God, you know, who knows God's timing? It's not the Lord's time, brother. So you mean to tell me 70 years pass, you are set free from captivity, you are sent home. Get this, if you read the book of Ezra, it tells you that they get the blessing of the king to go back home to rebuild the temple And the king provides everything that they need to make it happen. The king gives them gold, silver, wood, and workers to rebuild the temple. God busts open the door for them to go and rebuild the temple. Oh, but it's not the Lord's timing yet. It's not God's timing. You can read the book of Ezra for context. No, it's excuses it's what it is. You see, the temple was the presence of God. It was the center for repentance and atonement. It was the hub for community and relationship. And it's where people came and sacrificed for the atonement of their sin. It should have been a priority. It should have been of utmost priority to the people of God. But a little opposition, a little hurdle, an obstacle, a bump in the road. Disrupted the whole thing. What priorities have you neglected in your life because you've experienced some opposition? God tells us today stop making excuses. Make first things first. Stop putting things that should be a priority in last place. Number two, We misplace priorities when we stay comfortable. We misplace priorities when we stay comfortable. Haggai chapter 1 verse 4. God once again is talking through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your, check this out, in your paneled houses while this house, the house of God, the temple of God, Lies in ruins? You know, perhaps one of the greatest enemies to mission is comfort. The challenges that, the challenges they faced kept them from building the temple and from working on the house of God. But guess what it didn't stop them from doing? From working on their own house. You see, the obstacle was just enough to keep them from doing what God had called them to do, to building what should have been important, what should have been central to to their belief and and, and, and everything around them and what God had called them to do. But it didn't stop them from working on their house. You see, since it was something that benefited them, nothing kept them from reconstructing their homes. They became selfish. They focused on themselves rather than the house of God. It's so easy for us to focus on on ourselves. It's easy to focus on oneself and what is personally benefiting and what is personally comforting and what is personally self-soothing and what is self-satisfying. It's easy to focus on what we enjoy and what we like and what brings us pleasure. But to step out of the comfort zone, we don't like that at all. Could it be that you are misplacing priorities because you've grown comfortable? It's easy and it's comfortable to sit back and watch shows and movies on TV or on your phone. It's easy to scroll through social media and get lost in it for hours at a time. And it's even easy, easy to mope and to complain and to look at your problems and to feel sorry for yourself. That's easy to do. But to be on mission, to share the gospel, to invite people to church, to get up and go to church, that's uncomfortable. And if there's anything that 2020, this past 12 months has done, it's created uh, an atmosphere of comfort. Because we can kick our feet up, stay home. Just binge and eat. You can go to your work meetings in your underwear. Nobody even got to know. You don't even got to get dressed. You don't need to brush your teeth. So we comfort. We enjoy comfort. Have you grown so comfortable that it's caused you to misplace priorities? Number three, misplaced priorities produce little results. You know, we always go around trying to find a bargain, right? We always want the greatest bang for our buck. That's, that's the kind of the way we're, we're built. We want the greatest outcome with the smallest amount of effort and work, right? We want the highest paying job. We want a bank without putting any effort or working for it or seeking a degree or, or working up the, the ladder. We, we just, we just want to like come across, you know, the, the opposite end. Of a rainbow and find that pot of gold we, we just want it handed to us we never want to work for it have you ever thought to yourself why can't this thing just happen you know like why can't i just get this promotion or why can not i just get this raise at, at work or, or or maybe think more spiritual why you know why can't people just come to faith why can't people just put their faith in jesus why can't that just happen why can't my church just grow why can't that just happen it seems to happen other places why can't it happen here why can't my faith just grow why can't i just have this amazing closeness to christ it's because it just doesn't happen that way when we misplace priorities the opposite happens you cannot misplace priorities and expect to experience growth in all these different areas. It doesn't work that way. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, God goes on to say, You've planted much, but you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but you never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And what God is saying here is that because of misplaced priorities, all their work is in vain. And they're never satisfied because their heart, their affections, their attention, it's all in the wrong place. And the same thing happens to us when our priority isn't in the right place or in the right person. In Jesus. Maybe you'll experience great success, but ultimately you don't feel satisfied even in that success. Well, I'm going to meet the right person. That right person's going to love me, and I'm going to feel cherished, and I'm going to feel great. And you still feel empty. I'm going to find the best career path. I'm going to finish this degree. I'm going to do it. And then you still feel stuck. It's because seeking out and living for good things rather than God things will always result the same. Seeking out and living for good things rather than God things will always result the same. You will always feel empty. You will never feel satisfied like a wage earner putting money in a bag with a hole in it. You know, some of you are wondering why you feel spiritually dry. Or why you're not experiencing spiritual growth? Or why you're not growing in God's Word and the understanding of God's Word? Or why your prayers have been stale and unanswered? Could it be because you're expecting great results when you have misplaced priorities? You can't grow in God's Word if you're not studying it. You can't pray fervent and desperate prayers if you don't pray. You can't be spiritually refreshed and rejuvenated when you've been investing more times in things to please the flesh than in things that please God. How can we have spirit-filled worship when we're not even willing to lift up our voice or lift up our hands and offer a sacrifice of praise? How can you expect to see God move when we're not even willing to serve the needy? How can we see Jesus transform hearts and save if we're not even willing to open our mouths and share the gospel? Misplaced priorities always produce little fruit. And here's number four. Rebuilding is going to take hard work. Rebuilding is going to take hard work. And this is what I'm afraid many of us are not willing to do. I was going to say ready to do. I I don't think we're willing to do. I don't think we're willing to do. You see, in a Grubhub and Amazon Prime world, we're spoiled to hard work. One of my guilty pleasures is watching uh, streamers, video game streamers online. It's one of my guilty pleasures. And it's the funniest thing to me, watching a, watching a grown man play a video game, ordering lunch from his phone. Never has to leave his seat and just order some Chipotle and have it delivered right to him. That's the world that we're living in. I'm sorry, guys, but there's no easy button. There's no easy button. So look at what God tells them. Haggai chapter 1 verse 8. He says, go up into the hills. Climb up them hills. Bring down the lumber. Now, no twigs. Don't bring me a branch. I need some lumber to build my house. And build the house. And I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. We have a mission, Swerve Church. It's right there on that banner in the back. Our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And to fulfill that mission, it's going to take hard work. And it's even more hard work to build from the rubble of a pandemic. The question is, are you willing to do it? Let me debunk a mystery for you, and that is that God can do it without you. He don't need you. God doesn't need you to do it. But one of the great mysteries of God is that He chooses to use His people to build His temple. God could have reconstructed the temple in Jerusalem without the help of the Israelites but he chose to use their labor and their work and the provision of the king in order to make it happen. God built the world from a word. And he built man from the sand. He don't need you, but he chooses you. And he chooses me to advance his mission of love. God chooses you and he chooses me. But here's the thing. It's going to take hard work and for the people they had to climb up the hill there was no shortcut there was no elevator up they would have to climb up the hill they would have to cut down the trees in order to bring down the lumber they had to carry and then they had to get the tools in order to begin construction that means that blood was going to be involved that means sweat was going to be involved that means tears going to be involved in splinters into their hands and stubbed toes and a hurt back and weak knees and sore feet and long hours all of it in order to accomplish what god was calling them to god is calling us to work on what matters to rebuild but it's going to take hard work the question is Are you willing to put in the work in order to see God move? Are you willing to put in the work in order to see spiritual growth in your life? Are you willing to put in the work in order to leave a dry season? Are you willing to put in the work in order to grow in your relationship with Christ? Are you willing to put in the work in order to grow your church? Are you willing to work That's the question that we're left with today. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to to partake in communion. And I I have a song I I just want to play in the background and you guys can listen to the words or sing along or worship along if you want. And at that moment, you can partake in communion. But aren't you glad that Jesus put in the work for you and for me? that when Jesus cried in the Garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me, it was followed up with, not my will, your will be done, God. The Israelites would have to climb the hill, bring the lumber, and build the temple. And Jesus climbed up Calvary, and he brought the lumber, and his body hung on a tree. To atone for the sin of mankind, so that he can build this temple. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of the living God takes residence inside you. And the reason that is the case is because Jesus climbed up the hill, carried the lumber, and hung on a tree, and he died so that we can experience. Forgiveness of sin. And he rose from the grave so that we can have newness of life and the promise of an eternity in the arms of our Father. Jesus put in the work. And guys, Jesus didn't go through all that so that we can live our lives comfortable, apathetic, or to make excuses. The mission that God has called us to is far too great. In a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then Junior's going to hit play on on the song. You guys feel free to, uh, at your leisure, uh, grab the cup, partake in communion. Use it as a moment to reflect, to pray, to repent. Let me lead us in prayer. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us choose our priorities wisely. We acknowledge, God, that we have misplaced our priorities. God, forgive us for the excuses that we've made. And God, I even pray that you would help us identify the excuses if we don't even know. God, if that's our excuse, then remove that excuse from it. And reveal it to us. God, I pray that you would forgive us for our comfort. And that you would make us uncomfortable, God. God, I know it's going to be hard work. But I'm ready, God. And I pray, Father, that your people might be ready as well. To put in the work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.